Welcome to Multiple Offers, a real estate show with competing perspectives. Today we are talking about shifting years. Put that coffee down. If you're good at something, never do it for free. How'd you get the gig? Oh, you know, they were hiring. It was only a two-week course. I will sell this house today. What are you, some kind of real estate agent? Oh, he's a realtor. There is a difference somehow. This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show. All right, guys, it is episode 30. I feel like I feel like that's a milestone. Nice. It is a milestone. I just don't it's think not really of a significant milestone, is it? It's only like a birthday milestone. There's no cultural milestone. <laughs> There's no cultural milestone. No, and it's not it doesn't tie in with like 12 or 24. Like no. it's not like a year or two years, but uh, or 52 weeks. Well, dirty 30, so we invited the uh classiest guy we know in town. Oh, yeah, we'll we'll get to that in a second. We got we got a special guest today. Um, and yeah, today we're, we're going to go through some news. We're going to talk about, uh, shifting gears, both in business and in our personal lives. Uh, we got some questions from the audience. Uh, but before we get into that, Jeremy, how have you been? Oh, oh, that's, you're really putting me on the spot here. You said go to me first. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not too much. I mean, amazing donair. I think I had a donair last week, but, uh, this week again, amazing donair. This week on uh, multiple donairs. <laughs> um, this one was a it was actually a shawarma, which is what they call the the chicken donairs, if you didn't know. But but more importantly, um, there are we making a video? There's something. There's things on tables. Oh, um, upgrades. Yeah. So for excellent radio, uh, that that's a uh, Ricoh Theta 360 camera. Nice. Heard of that? And we are going to take a little bit of video with it today, but. Uh, it can only handle five minutes, so we've okay. got to take, take the best. And what's the protocol? Like, don't don't look it in the eye. No, or? it's it's three sixty degrees. So, we can so look. you're looking in the camera no matter where. Just don't, just pretend just it's pretend not there. Just pretend it's not there. Okay. Yeah. It only does five minutes, uh, unless you're streaming live. But that takes a whole gigantic setup. Um, I actually use it for creating uh, 360 tours, like um, like Google Maps tours in my listings. Yeah, cool. Um, this is an experiment with video today, so we'll All see right. how that goes. Yeah, I'm looking right at the seam. I can barely see either lens. I thought it was yeah. only on me. <laughs> <laughs> just, to, just to make you feel uncomfortable. Den- Denny's waiting for his close-up. <laughs> so if, if somebody's listening to this on the, the old-school way of just audio headphones home theater system, whatever. They're only going to be listening to it on on. Audio. They don't get to watch this video? We're going to use the video as a little teaser for the episode, okay. which will have a link to listen to the full audio. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, a little, little behind-the-scenes action. Um, well, that answers the questions that I had about the episode, so thanks. <laughs> <laughs> pass, pass it on to Matt. Okay, I'm not talking about lunch today. I want a little industry feedback on something. Uh, reading a depreciation report recently, and... What do you guys think about this? Because they seem to have no rules. So for our audience, we've talked about this. We've talked about depreciation reports, and it's... I just have to say, is this a trap? Because Matt and I, uh, Denny, I'm doing a deal with these guys right now. Is this the depreciation report? It's from the listing listing. that we're working on. (laughs) Now, it's not getting in the way of our deal, but it's opening my eyes on the idea that there's no standard on these things. So for our audience, strata corporations typically do a depreciation report that talks about the expected service life of all the components of the building. But I'm reading this one, and essentially it's just a reserve fund study. It's spreadsheets. It just says, this component, this age, this is what's left. There isn't a single physical inspection in the entire report. Well, did, really? you, did you see when, when... Were you there in the office when they brought in the guy, the depreciation report guy? I don't remember that. Oh, okay. They, the office brought in a guy uh, who works for 
GE and to talk about what they're looking for in a depreciation report. And the only thing I learned from that meeting is there are no rules. Like, like I was there for that meeting. Yeah. Like I remember asking him like Genworth. So, yeah. How, how do you qualify to be, to do a depreciation report? And he was like, well, they have to say that they'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to have some knowledge, some knowledge yeah. of, of building practices. Yeah. And things like like that, it's, but. it's not like a home. In, it, it, you, it's harder to be a home inspector than to be the person who does the depreciation. Report. There's no licensing or qualifications for any company that wants. Not to do as things? far as Genworth is concerned. Oh my God. Yeah, so these guys are just writing them up, and like, I saw how much they paid for it. Not much. Yeah. And they got what they paid Sounds for. <laughs> <laughs> and, but there's no physical inspection. Okay. I have no all. comments on okay. this subject okay. whatsoever. So it's just a bit of an observation. And then the other is that it omitted two critical components of the building. The report does not include the plumbing system or the parking memory. It's just not on Because you can't see it. Right. Now, you do have the plumbing system. Because they didn't do an inspection. <laughs> they didn't even <laughs> show up to the building. We yeah. assume you I'm have totally one. getting into negotiation mode because I'm like, Matt, they did their pipes. <laughs> no, I know. And that's why I don't want to pin it on the building. It's just the process. Yeah, right? It's yeah. just really strange. They, like, the, as a consumer, they have no idea that these elements were omitted from the report. They don't know that this report maybe should have had a physical inspection or it shouldn't. It's just, it's the Wild West. You do it however yeah. you want. So yeah. it's it's just kind of crazy. And in Jeff's defense, it's, it's a very, this anonymous building we're talking about it's a very small strata it is it's just 20 yeah. 20 yeah. people or so something it was so. just a bit of a it was more just eye-opening to realize there is absolutely no standard that's all fun facts well jeff why don't you tell us what's going on with you so we can introduce our guest okay um well before i get into who denny is uh, I, i've got a total real estate nail biter going on right now so for about a month i've had an accepted offer subject to sale on a house in white rock and the seller is selling their house in Toronto. On Saturday, we got the time clause activated. Ooh. So for our listeners who may not know, when you have a subject to sale, usually there's a condition in there that says if um, if they, they can accept another offer and you have X amount of hours to get your place sold or, or bow out. So ours is 72 hours. But I did put in in the subject to sale uh, business hours. Ooh, sneak attack. So it was a long weekend. We got it on Saturday. Technically, we have till Friday. They accepted an offer. Now we're waiting on subjects. (laughs) So, And subject removal is the same night that we've got to actually do our removal or bow out. So it's so completely down to the Did you negotiate your offer that subject removal is by like 10 p.m.? So just so you have time to do paperwork? No, I had no idea. (laughs) I called them and I'm like, sorry, guys, I got bad news. And they're like, it's okay. We accepted an offer. When when do we have to have this done by? I told them. They're like, that's the same time. (laughs) So so I'm on pins and needles. Um, You're working late that night. And it's like the nicest house in white rock like one of those totally super modern ones oh, yeah, we talked about this on oh the show. yeah it's it's beautiful yeah the perfect inspection yeah the episode it's, 26 it's, it's the perfect home it's the perfect home and, and so. jared was not correct in saying episode 26 <laughs> yeah jared don't try to be mad <laughs> how did you get 72 business hours accepted because i'm a badass we have a lot of time. <laughs> it's always changed usually I, I have you ever tried to uh do an unconditional I, offer i've I've tried to do an unconditional, like, it no gets, time clause. Gets crossed out. Only, um... Or no, but in the time clause, say... Yeah, uh, I've, I've tried that. Once accepted an unconditional offer. But, um... Oh, 
I see what you're saying. So you're saying that subjects. the buyer. Yeah. No, I have never tried that. Uh, Dave in our office likes that move, and I think it's a good one. Because uh, most people don't read through it yeah, in detail. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like it sounds like your listing agent didn't. Uh, he, I think he was okay. Part of our strategy to getting it accepted uh, was giving them a pretty good price. Okay. So I think they were willing to make some concessions for us, which was what we were hoping. Um, so if anybody is wondering, uh, the person I'm talking to is uh, Denny Dumas. Uh, Denny is a realtor in New West. Uh, he is one half of the Garbet Dumas team. Um, well, actually, you guys are a bit of an army now, so I guess we one are. half of. But you're, you, you, you guys run the show. Uh, Denny's been in the industry for four and a half years. Um, and in that time, they have grown the business from a $30 million a year business in 2014 to a $120 million business in 2017. Uh, that's 162 ends. I feel like I could stop right there, and that would be that would be good enough. <laughs> but on top of being a uh, rock star in the real estate industry, uh, Denny is obsessed with sports. He's fiercely competitive. Uh, you 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 were one of six. One of six kids. Yeah. One of six kids. The second um, youngest. Also very interested oh, in... Oh, you had to fight for your food. Oh, yeah. There you go. Um, also very interested in, in golf, uh, the Seahawks, which my dad would appreciate, and craft beer and whiskey, which I'm sure we're going to... Here's a little teaser. We're going we're gonna to probably talk about that a little later in the episode. I knew I liked your dad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dad's a huge Seahawks fan. Um, Denny, welcome to the show. Going to the game tomorrow, actually. Nice. nice. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So what's been going on with you? Uh, not a whole lot. Uh, lots of business changes in the last year. Like you said, our team's growing. Uh, we now are eight, six realtors and eight. two assistants. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, looking to probably bring on one more for the new year. Hmm. Yeah. Things are going well. We're, we have a lot of exciting opportunities coming up. We, Jamie and I, so my business partner, James Garbitz and I are doing a big reno and a build in the next year as well. Hmm. So, uh, as if things weren't busy enough, right? Yeah, we tend to take on more stress than we can handle. Do you make any of the eight, the other guys that are working with you guys, um, do you make them swing hammers or go on the <laughs> If it's a slow day, are they Adam, on the actually, site? the new guy, Adam, Adam just got his license in uh, June this year, I believe. Yeah. And he said he would literally do anything. So he dug out a trench for us at the house to do new drain tile. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he probably would have done it. If hey, hey you, got a, you got a tour booked on Thursday there, Adam? No. Oh, you're available? Cool, man. All right. Yeah, just meet us at the house. Yeah, yeah no, no. Uh, don't wear your nice shoes. Yeah, here's a shovel. <laughs> yeah. Full service. <laughs> so, I mean, Denny, I, we, we know you because you're a realtor. Mm-hmm. We engage with each other in the real estate world, but... Today, it's not going to be all real estate. We're a real estate show, but we're going to kind of transition this to tie in with your show that you've got going on, like right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Denny has a show? Denny's got a show. <laughs> hey. <laughs> it's what, catching on. What's, what's Denny's show, Matt? Uh, if I got this right, Zero to Hear. That's right. So great, Den- great name. So Denny's launched his podcast, which it didn't launch too long ago. Is that right? Uh, I want to say two or three weeks ago. Yeah, so yeah, that's, pretty, that's pretty fresh. Yeah, so um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your show, and then we're going to get into our show. Absolutely. Uh, The show came about for a few reasons. Uh, One, just gaining a little bit of traction in this industry. I started getting reached out to by new agents in the industry, just asking what the first year was like, how to gain traction, how to get off the ground. Uh, I really enjoyed those conversations. And through um, just kind of sharing my experience, I felt like I had some valuable things to offer. 
And so the next level for me was how do I scale that information rather than one-on-one coffee meetings? <laughs> it was, just, it was <laughs> it's very time consuming. Yeah. And I never say no to them because I, I get a lot out of them too. Yeah. And I'm happy to help. Yeah. I mean, I, I got to say that too with our show. Like I was talking to my wife yesterday. We learn a lot from doing each episode. I, th- sure. I think one of the best ways to learn something is, is to teach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, same kind of thing with the team growing is that we've got a few newer agents on our team now that aren't as experienced, haven't done as many deals. And one of them made this comment to me a month into being on the team. He said something like, um, you have so much information in your head. How do I get it out of you? <laughs> and again, that's just kind of going Was that back Cambo? to scaling. Yeah. Uh, no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Sean Cambo. <laughs> Cambo, who is on Denny's team, used to be in our office a uh, long time ago. Great guy. Mm-hmm. Cool, yeah. man. Good All guy. Right. Well, he uh, comes from a, build, a background of building, too, so he kind of adds a new element to our team. Nice. So before we get into the news, Matt, I did just want to mention something totally off topic. So, uh, Denny, I listened to a few episodes of your show. Yeah. And one of the things that you mentioned in your show is your dream guests list. Absolutely. Uh, Ryan is Searhart. Sirhant. Sir, how do I say that? I'm Sirhant. bad with Nick. Okay. Um, do you know he's coming to Vancouver? I don't think I'm ready for him. <laughs> okay, because it was so weird. I listened to your episode. I will email him. And I've then, emailed him before, and what, he's responded. Well, he so Adam Lloyd and Sean Zubor, or, or yeah, Sean Adam Lloyd and Sean Zubor from Stonehouse. Yeah. Adam Zubor. Adam Zubor. Um, <laughs> They're bringing him here. He he's he's coming to Vancouver. So I figure it, you do have a shot. There's an opportunity. Yeah. Um, anyway, I was just excited because literally I listened to your episode and then saw Sean's post on Facebook. I was like, "That's weird." <laughs> what are they bringing her for? Uh, he's giving a, a like a real estate talk. Okay. Um, but I mean, if he talks to those guys, he should probably <laughs> talk to you too. <laughs> <laughs> just calling everyone out today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, I think that's got some news for us. Yeah, let's do a little quick news segment. Okay. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. I got a news flash for you, Walter Cronkite. I am enlightened. Do it live! I can go write it and we'll do it live! This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show. News today, we're going to keep it quick because we want to have uh, lots of time here with our guest, Denny. Uh, but I saw this headline. I'm curious what you guys think about it. Um, it came from the Vancouver Courier. And I, I'm not familiar with this website. Are you guys familiar with joeway.com? No. Joeway? J-O-W-A-I. I've never heard of it. So apparently it's a huge sort of international global thing, and a ton of Chinese real estate buyers use it as their search tool. Hmm. For real estate? For real estate. Hmm. So it's a massive search tool, and by just tracking their their search habits, it gives them an indication of what's going on. And they're saying that their findings are that for July to September of 2018, the searches by Chinese in China for Vancouver real estate are higher than it was in early 2017. Weird. Interesting. 
So they're like, they're, so, so one, we know that they're, the interest is there and they say usually according to their sort of data, this translate in, translates into transactions. It would be for the beginning of 2019. The other interesting finding they, they said is that there's usually this stereotype that the Chinese are coming to spend a ton of money. They said the, if they average out the search price range, it's $831,000. Wow. Hmm. Did it have any information? Are they searching in Vancouver or are they looking out into the suburbs? I can't say. And it just said Vancouver. Why don't you know? (laughs) (laughs) CEO is quoted in the article, Jeff. You can call her. (laughs) My question to you is, it's been, what, uh, now it's almost two years since the foreign buyer tax. Does time heal all wounds? Yes. With the public? I think the public. Not the public, the Chinese. The Chinese. Right? Oh. The the massive buying had actually cooled off quite a bit before they even introduced the tax. Exactly. Yeah. I I think that's something that kind of really gets glossed over (laughs) a lot of the times is like the, the caravans of busloads of buyers coming from overseas those days were done before it it was but then we also know that that the chinese buyers that did want to engage in the canadian market took their money to montreal and toronto and caused some pretty big booms there after we implemented our foreign buyer tax even just outside of the lower mainland yeah so there was there was they they felt a little bit insulted and moved along and i'm generalizing it doesn't apply to every single one of them but there was a sentiment there that there was it's okay you don't want our money and i'm just i'm getting the impression now that just enough time has gone by that that's in the past now they're just looking at their own personal situation they see vancouver's probably a good spot to to move our to put our money i i know they were talking about it did toronto end up introducing their own foreign buyer tax yeah they did they did right i was gonna say other countries are coming up other major cities around the world are coming up with their own solutions to this sort of perceived problem that they're having um but there's been like only local owners can buy resale. I've heard of that in Australia. I think it is. Someone can quote me if I'm wrong. <laughs> Let me know if I'm wrong. But that's what um, I've heard as well. So, Maybe from you. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> not fact, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not an expert in the Chinese mindset. None of us are. It is not our demographic. <laughs> although I would like to learn Mandarin. <laughs> sure, add it to the Goal list for 2019. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't think they care. I think the tax? Yeah. yeah. I don't think they care. Uh, A lot of local people that I've talked to who work with Chinese buyers, a lot of them are just trying to get money out of China. And so they don't care if they're paying an extra 15 or 20%. Especially when you look at the um, currency rates comparatively to the states, they're still saving 15% by buying in Vancouver comparatively across the border. As a bargain, right? Yeah. Agree with that 100%. I, I, I definitely think there was an element of just insult. Yeah, when the tax sure. is implemented, where there's just a little bit of hesitation. I think there's a combination of a number of things. There's a lot of economic changes in China right now, and maybe just enough time has passed that they're interested. So we'll see if their projections play out in early uh, 2019, if all of these searches turn into transactions. Because they were quite forthcoming in the article. They said, hey, look, these are just searches. So right. we don't know they're what They're all kind just of deals. window shopping. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the news for today. Something to keep an eye on. Let's, uh, let's talk about the shift. Let's get nuts. You decide your own level of involvement. Well, I guess this is a case where we'll have to agree to disagree. I don't agree to that. Neither do I. Wrong. National debt. Wrong. Wrong. Advocate. Wrong. With that money, Wrong. 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 Very nice words, but happens to be wrong. You're listening to Multiple Offers, a real estate show.
having you on the show, Denny, we thought it was a good opportunity uh, because your show has a lot to do with uh, self-growth. And I know it's a bit of a, a personal obsession of yours and mm-hmm. something that we on the show are interested in as well. Before we get into shifts, both professional and uh, personal, I just wanted to ask you. So coming from from the business on day one into a $30 million a year business mm-hmm. to doing 163 ends, like, how does that happen? <laughs> like, like, that's <laughs> that's that's a insane... And I mean, obviously... Um, before you got on there, uh, James was doing very well. Um, I'm, I'm not here saying, oh man, James should be so lucky that, uh, that you came, but you guys have really built something quite special. What, what do you attribute that to? Uh, I'll never overlook the opportunity that I was given. It's, uh, a very unique one. And I know a lot of others in our industry will never have an opportunity like that. So I feel very grateful that I was, I was given yeah, this phenomenal opportunity to walk into. Uh, it's hard to say, man. Like I work my ass off. I I work a ton of hours, especially early on in my career. It was like hundred plus hour weeks every week for two years. And so when when you joined, was it just James Rosa, and then your I was number three. Your number three. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I think I learned a lot of dealing with adversity just through sport and it carried over into the real estate world. But in terms of learning, it was just like, I was not prepared for this industry at all. I was not financially <laughs> prepared. I was not prepared in terms of what it actually takes to be, uh, but you did a, a knowledgeable real estate. You passed owner. a test. <laughs> Have you listened? I, I, I do like a little 15 minute <laughs> mini podcast on my first year in real estate. And I talk about the course which is just ridiculous. Well, and we didn't set you up for this, but you're you're transitioning into where we kind of wanted to go at the start uh, beautifully. <laughs> yeah. For any of you that don't know out there, to get a real estate license, it's changed a little bit now. I know there's a little bit of an applied course that happens after the exam, but for me, four and a half years ago, it was 20 assignments. You can hand in two a week, so it took 10 weeks to get through that, and then you write an exam, and two and a half months you have a real estate license. And they gave you a year too, didn't they? To they give you a year to do You have that. a year yeah. to finish those 20, 20 assignments. Yeah. They've changed it now that the fastest you're allowed to do it, I think, is six months. Is that right? They force you to slow down. There is, there, there's, a, there's a minimum time now. Okay. Yeah, six months might be longer. When all these companies, these like tutoring companies, showed up <laughs> to start helping people, right? Like it, Yeah, uh, they were fast-tracking Six, six weeks to, yeah. to bang it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of crazy. But I mean, that's that's where people take this leap of faith like Denny did, like a lot of us have done to get into this industry. And people can do it in all sorts of different businesses and industries. And there's there's the way to just sort of knock on the door, take your test and walk through the door. And now you're in. Yeah. But how do you actually progress and become successful? I mean, first you have to have the courage to do it, but then you have to know how to how to find a way, right? So we've talked about how it started out well for you. I started in a similar situation. We talked about it. Um, we talked about how our career started early in our our series. People can listen to that. And our what team episode, dynamics. Matt? Episode one <laughs> is all of our origin stories are in episode one. <laughs> We also have our, our team dynamics uh, in episode 18. With, I feel like with, I could have guessed that one. With, with <laughs> yeah, even, yeah, yeah, you and me could have figured that one out. <laughs> yeah, but we talk about sort of uh, who we learned from and how we built our, how our team is functional, the rest of it in episode 18 as well. But we're going to talk more about that today because 
it's there's a lot that goes into this, and I'm I'm really curious to just hear from the table about what it's like, and if our listeners are listening, should we should I be trying to get into real estate? Should I take that leap of faith? Am I in a different in business or industry, and I'm just not happy where I am, and I need to make a change? I think that's kind of what your show is about, right, Denny? A little bit, yeah. It's more about um, exposing the not so glamorous versions of entrepreneurship. So people see entrepreneurs on social media with fancy cars and gold watches. It's so cool to be an entrepreneur right now. (laughs) But it is, though, right? It's glorified because of social media. So it's more just exposing the tough times. And for me, I learned best by uh, chatting with other people that have gone through the same kind of stuff that I have and learning from their experiences, chatting about how they get over adversity, what's going through their mind mentally when they're faced with big challenges and so that's kind of what uh, my show is about. Well, why don't, why don't before we start talking about sh- sort of shifting in the right direction, you know, you you talked about the course and how ill prepared you are. Mm-hmm. L- like, what are the things that prepare us to fail in through entrepreneurship? And and specifically for me, I'm thinking about real estate. I think about the the course 100 percent did. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of my jobs to begin with did because. When you get into real estate, I think one of the hardest things is people think about like, okay, well, I show up at nine, I do my work till five, and then I I go home for the day and I start over again the very next day. And it's not the right mentality in the slightest. Um, and all of our like school, everything. What what are your guys' thoughts on all that? I think the biggest obstacle is just your mind. Like you talk about the gla- like the non glamorous side is just the personal obstacle of I'm going to get my license. I got to get my my first BMW. What kind of BMW am I going to get? <laughs> um, it's, I'm going to start like it's just I'm going to have to get a different you know investment account because of all the paychecks that are going to be running you know rolling in, which couldn't be any further from the truth. I, I imagine. I mean, I've never owned another business, so I imagine it's similar with other business owners that mm. uh, but maybe not maybe not the the idea that it's going to be easy um, whereas I feel like there's a misconception with real estate that it's an easy job for anyone who's never done it before oh yeah it's easy is totally one of the biggest misconceptions it's so easy D- Denny what do you do in a past life but then you look at industry averages uh, and you look, what's the industry average six deals a year I think that might be high so maybe yeah, less it, than six deals it's, I, anyway. I think it's probably six but when they pull the top 10% they pull out anybody who does zero to two from the number before they even can okay. calculate it so I yeah, think I was totally, looking it up recently and there's yeah. there's a little over 15,000 agents in Greater Vancouver now and half of them don't do a deal a year yeah so they cut it down to 7,000 or 7,500. And I think from that, the average is doing six deals a year, which is wow. really not making much of a living. Mm. No. I don't even know if you're surviving. And no, and for a lot of them, it actually isn't intended to be just an extra, a, a real yeah. Yeah, source of income. It's just supplementary. Yeah. You know, oh, my, my wife works, and so I've just got this real estate license, and if my friend calls, you know, I do a deal for them. <laughs> you know, I've met people like that, right? Yeah. Like, oh, no, my friend down the street. So, I mean, that's, that's how some people do it as a supplementary thing. But other people take it on because it, they want it to be a real life-changing experience for them, for right? Sure. And before the show, we're talking about this stuff, about how people can come from all sorts of different backgrounds and be unhappy or unfulfilled in wherever they are in life. Maybe it's personal or professional, and they just want to make this this shift, right? That's why I'm calling the, the episode The Shift. But it takes something internally to do that. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm not quite sure exactly what it is or what, where they need to find that fire to do it, because there's a lot of courage, there's a lot of risk. I'm sort of I'm stuck in the middle right here, not knowing uh, how to help people make this shift. 
Well, and just to be clear, Matt, you are not saying everybody get into real estate. No. That's that's not the, the intention of the episode. We don't want 15,000 more new realtors. No, but I, I want people listening to come out of this episode and at least feel inspired that if there's something that's not right in their world right now, to, to hear something that one of the four of us says to say, this is a way I can you know, make some little improvement to put myself on more of the path that I, I think I see myself being on for the next little while. Mm-hmm. That was kind of my story is that I, I uh, out of university, I was working for my dad. He ran sports bars and liquor stores. Right. I knew it wasn't something I wanted to do long term. Knew I always wanted to work for myself. Just wasn't really sure the avenue that I wanted to take. And when I was 23, I want to say, uh, he had some financial trouble, lost all the businesses. So it kind of kicked me in the butt to do something different. Mm. And Got a job at a bank, which was probably worked at RBC for five months, and it was probably the worst five months of my life. Like, were were you a teller, or what were you doing yeah. at the bank? Yeah, super exciting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was paying people's hydro bills. Okay, yeah. you know you can do this on the internet, <laughs> but I'm happy I have a job. They like coming into the bank. I don't know. Uh, so I was there for five months, and uh, three months in, I knew I couldn't last very long. Hmm. Signed up for the real estate course. Uh, quit the job before I even took the exam, took the exam, luckily passed and literally was all in. Why did you choose real estate? Uh, I, so my connection with my partner, James, I bought a condo when I was 21 with him, uh, had picked his brain a ton as we were looking for places, asking him a ton of questions about the industry. I, I knew I liked that industry. I knew I liked the opportunities within the industry. Um, just wasn't ready. 21 years old to, yeah. to make that jump. And so f- a few years later, when I was working at the bank, signed up for the course, called them and said, I, you know, any advice to get started? And um, that was kind of it. He said at the time he was really busy, so he needed some help and said, follow me around for six months. If, if you don't like it, go off on your own. If you do, then maybe we can work together. Nice. That's cool. I mean, it leads right into my question I have written down that I wanted to ask. Because <laughs> um, we're talking about if people are going to take this leap of faith and make a shift. What support does someone need to do that? So we got into real estate, but you've got somebody who's an electrician. He's working for another company, but he's thinking, I want to go get my own van and be my own guy and find my own clients and do all that. Or, you know, I love, you know, a certain segment, a little niche part of uh, hard goods and I want to open a little retail shop and go and do it on my own. I've been a retail manager for a while, right? Mm -hmm. What support should these people have? to make a shift into any of these businesses, right? You had you had James there, right? Exactly. You had somebody to talk to and kind of get you in. I went through a similar situation. Jeff, you had dad. I grew up in around <laughs> real estate, yeah. Right? So if we're if someone's thinking of making a move Jeremy like this... Jeremy tried to do it on his I own. Can, I like can a, advocate... Like an idiot. I can advocate for anybody who's thinking of just getting in. And and again, like I mentioned, it's easy to get your license. It's it's your printing money. Um, is. <laughs> Is mentor, like, find a mentor, shadow somebody, sure. even before you even take the license, like, you know. Does that I, mentor have to be in the industry? Yeah, I think so. I, for for real, we're talking about real estate? Anything. Well, regardless of real estate, yeah. Regardless. I think so. I think you um, will just pick up on little things, at, and, and I think it gives you an opportunity to find out if you actually are going to enjoy that industry or not. Yeah. I want to start- a hardware store, like your example, go follow someone around for free for a month. See what their business run. See how their business runs, and yeah. decide if you like that. I'm industry. I'm a full like hands on learner, so mm-hmm. um, textbooks, things like that, not helpful. Too. YouTube, awesome. Um, but you know, if I want to open a restaurant, probably a good idea to go work in a restaurant for a while, get to know some of the ins and outs. Um, 
yeah, I don't uh, I think that's that's going to be pretty pretty crucial. Well, I think about your story with uh, Keith Corney's chair about how you were in the office spending so many hours thinking you were working. Yeah, I was at but a, but just not doing the right things. I was at a different office before doing that. Yeah. yeah, that same thing too. For me, the shift was okay. This isn't working. I wanted to narrow my market. Not I was in Coquitlam before, um, and I don't blame the, the brokerage. There's lots of different brokerages, different models out there. Um, part of joining our office was putting me around people that were helpful. Mm-hmm. So that was that was huge. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, my shift was to let's just make the pool pond a little bit smaller so I could focus on in different inventory. But then having like a guy like Keith that's sort of holding you accountable to, to doing the right things. But even before, cause I think before Keith was, I was with Matt and Jerry. Yeah. I can't, I can't remember the timeline now. New West guys. It's 1.0. Hard, hard to remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, it was what I learned in when I was working with Jerry, our, our, our old business partner, Matt, Matt was with him for a long time, but uh, he's retired now. But the, the amount of knowledge that I learned just being in that office and in that room for a year, is was huge and and huge part of you know how the, the agent I am today. Um, I would never like you know it's it's everyone's kind of you're you're on your own when you get your license. You know if you join a brokerage, you don't have any you, you don't have a lot of brokerages. You don't even need to show up to the office. It doesn't matter, right? That's one of the things for me is that I feel like my progression was very quick because of being teamed up with someone like Jamie. So. In my first year, I did 17 deals, but I saw 65. That's right, yeah. And so that's one of the advantages of being on a team like ours is that Lucas, for example, on our team, did 11 deals by himself in a year and a half, and he's been with us for six months now, has done 35 deals, but he's seen over 100. Right. So you're just learning that much quicker because you're seeing so much more. Just cramming in those hours. Yeah. Like if it takes 10,000 hours to master something, you're just accelerating the entire process. For sure. So you're, you're learning that from a mentor, from, from people who, who look over you in that sense. And I, I feel like we're coming into, we're in a generation now where that's very acceptable. And within industry, if you go and ask for help, essentially from a competitor, you're actually going to get some help. But I feel like 15, 20 years ago, that didn't work. You go knocking on their door asking for help from anybody else, and they're, they're not helping you out. There's, there's no sharing collaboration. It was cutthroat. It was every man for himself. And that's, I think, a really big change in the way business is done now. In, re- in real estate? In any business. In anything. Yeah. Any business. Like, I got a good friend who started one of those junk removal companies. And, uh, you know, it's like, well, how can you be different with junk removal? Uh, but he was. And he's, he's growing. He's opening franchises across North America. And he went in and had a meeting with one, the, the CEO of 1-800-GOT-JUNK. He's like, yeah, man, let's talk about it. Let's share ideas. I'm curious what you're doing. Tell me what you're doing. I'll tell you what I do. I wonder if that's actually changed or just people's willingness to say that they're getting help has changed. Because when dad started in the business, which is like 40 years ago, Sheila Francis totally took him under her wing and taught him a ton of stuff. I, I have a feeling that there were lots of people getting help, but maybe the culture was to pretend you did it on your own. Mm-hmm. Even That might be a like good point. The, yeah. the, the self-made man was such an important idea. Well, it was. And that's yeah. the thing. That's definitely what I grew up with. And I was too proud to ask for help. That was my biggest failing in my 20s is I thought I was supposed to be a self-made man. Right. If anybody can take anything away from me today, it's don't try to do it by yourself. Just, that is just, one thing I've never had an issue with. I, I ask a ton of questions. And I've never, I've never uh, felt awkward or uncomfortable looking for more. So, where do you think that started? 
the willingness to just blurt it out? Um, I think it just kind of goes back to sport for me and failing over and over and learning to not really care what my what the perception of me for other people. Did was. you have good coaches when you were in sports? Um, yeah, I'd say I had a few. Okay. And the only reason why I, I say that, I played a ton of sports growing yeah. up as well, but I feel like we had very different experiences. Okay. I had a lot of failings in sport, but I don't think I had good coaches. Now, they cared and they tried, but they didn't know enough. And, and when I looked back on what I did in my youth in sport and then what I knew in my 20s, I was like, wow, I wasn't taught so much of what I should have known and where I was failing. Nobody stopped and said, here, this is what you can do to improve. I never had the courage to ask for help, though. Right. Just try to do it myself. I um, I played at a pretty high level in basketball, so I was surrounded by some good coaches. Like provincial team coaches were pretty well, yeah, top course, notch yeah. guys. Uh, played in the states for a year. Played at UBC for a year. So you're surrounded by yeah. So like you've got the, good coaches. The yeah. idea of a mentor in sport is totally not a weird concept either, right? No. Like there's always a coach. There's always somebody when when you're learning any sort of any sort of sport you go to get taught, right? The first thing you do when you learn to golf, you don't just try to swing the ball and figure out how to hit it. You go and take some golf lessons. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, somebody makes you putt for eight hours and then you hate golf. Well, there Sorry, is a Danny. reason. <laughs> <laughs> some baggage there. I just I wanted want to, to go home. <laughs> I just want to play video games, Dad. <laughs> my, my, my end of love affair with golf was I was like six and Dad would make me golf every day. And I remember he pulled up and I asked him, I'm like, hey, dad, who's the best golfer here? And he's like, that kid. And I'm pretty sure he pointed at Wes Goss. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to talk about like your first time in jail when you just like go for the whoever's the best, go and take them out. (laughs) (laughs) Really? That's that's where you thought that was going? (laughs) The uh, so anyway, that uh, yeah, golf golf was a had to do activity and nobody likes to have to do activity no i think to your point though on the on the uh, analogy there though is that sport you go to practice like there's a a part of scheduling sports is scheduling practice you don't just show up to the games that's probably pretty applicable to everything we do is you can't just assume you can just roll into the game be like bam got this guys i think there are a lot of realtors (laughs) who just roll into the game definitely like if if the listing presentation or the negotiation is the game there is a ton of well, I'll I'll learn it as I go <laughs> away. I'll, I'll go. We we were talking earlier about um, Jer being a time waster. <laughs> and- <laughs> is that what we really? <laughs> I wasn't being time efficient, <laughs> not wasting time. What um, what do you guys think are the activities that most new realtors who don't find somebody to teach them waste too much social media time oh oh jared's baiting denny now (laughs) no i'm not i was i'm looking at you (laughs) depends how you use social media that's and i think that's key because a lot of people can you can spend a lot of time on it i'm advertising i'm getting my brand out there but you're really kind of just spinning your wheels a bit and maybe not doing it most effectively even just for me like i post probably six to 15 times a day whether it's stories or actual posts and I'm probably on there for 15 minutes. Like, I'm not spending time scrolling. Mm-hmm. I'm not really consuming other people's content. It's more just, like, sharing your story, right? Yeah. So, like, today, show up, take a quick video, takes 30 seconds, and it's up. Right. Just, like, sharing your story. And people people respond 
to it because you're like doing something all the time. So mm-hmm. that's you doing something. I think the trap Jer is talking about is that you're getting consumed the, by the, content. The new person, yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> The, the one thing for me that I never really got into, I started when I, so I started with Sutton and I was at the office a couple times a day or a couple times a week. Yeah. And I felt like it was just anyone there was there to waste their time, mm. and, but they thought that they were working because they're in, in a, an office environment, but literally they're just wasting your time. Yeah. So they, I, they I stopped went to work. The office. Yeah. There, there's That's, a weird balance there too, though, because I, I totally hear what you're saying. And also, especially when you're new, talking, like I have learned more from having lunch with these two guys and a couple other people at the office on a regular basis, just sharing, oh, this is what I'm going through. Like there's definitely value in spending time talking to realtors, but how do you balance that with, okay, now we're just spending the whole day and I'm not getting anything done. For sure. uh, I'm, you know, it's two o'clock and I'm bugging Matt because... Me and Jer, it's beer time. Have beer. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's two o'clock. <laughs> I totally agree with that, yeah. but I think you need to pick the individuals that you're you're talking with. Yes. Not just showing up at an office and having people come talk to me because I, I was like a couple months into the industry, I couldn't afford Wi-Fi, so I had to go somewhere with Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> serious. But people would come up to me and be like, "Hey, you guys are so good on social media. Can you help me with social media?" Mm. No. <laughs> I can't. I have things to do. And so I just started going to Starbucks so that people wouldn't bug me. Right. Well, that makes sense. I mean, can we try to broaden this to entrepreneurs in any business, right? Mm-hmm. You start, you think you're doing the work, you're showing up at your shop every day or your your desk or your home office or whatever it is. What can you do to kind of narrow it narrow down and make sure you're you're on point? I I think people spend so much time worrying about their brand at the start, like I've got to get the perfect sign and the website has to be amazing and the photos have to be amazing and you're spending all of this money on things. Perfection's a bit of a trap. Yeah, and, and just, I mean, all, do of, it. all of that should be amazing. But at the start, I feel like you need to be focused on delivering a really good service and getting your name out there. And that doesn't mean having the perfect business card, right? And spending an entire day picking out which font you're going to use on your, your business card. Well, yeah, and I think that probably applies to everything is you've got to go out and do the work and get the clients. And you've got to be out there invisible and working. Mm. Yeah. You know, you can... We, I think we can all get a little bit trapped in, in building some pretty marketing pieces because we all feel like, oh, you know, a little design work here and there and contributing. Oh, I'm doing something. I'm making, you know, but... If you spend half your week doing that, you have not talked to enough clients or potential clients. Well, whenever my business is suffering, I I get back to the real basics, which for me is how many appointments can I book this week? Mm-hmm. And and not appointments with the designer, but appointments with clients. <laughs> <laughs> well, it even goes to the guy who took a chance and bought his own van and wants to be his own electrician. Totally. He knows how to wire a house yeah. top to bottom, but he needs a house to wire the hardest part of any industry is lead gen, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think at the beginning, it's important to be putting yourself in as many uncomfortable situations in front of people mm. as possible. So yeah. in our industry, that's doing as many open houses as you can every weekend. During the week, you're finding a prospecting tool that you're not necessarily that you like because they're not fun, but <laughs> finding something that you can do on something a repetitive basis. Something that you basis. can stomach. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And just putting yourself in front of as many people as you can. Yeah. Where do you got to dig to find the courage to do that? What's the, what's the system? What's the method? You got any advice? For me, it was necessity. 
For me, it was trying to afford Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, How's he going to post 15 times a day if he doesn't have Wi-Fi? <laughs> <laughs> that was the beginning, but here we are now. And you know, I mean, you, you, we've it's it's clear that you're a hungry guy. You're out there. You you want more. You want to continually improve, right? So so where does that motivation come from? Where you go like, okay, I got to have some tough conversations, or I got to do something that's the uncomfortable part, but I got to do it. Is it that you? You know, for our listeners, do I schedule this three days a week? Do I schedule it seven days a week? Do I not schedule it, but I make sure that I check that box, you know, at certain times? Or, you know, do I, you know, have three cups of coffee and just start dialing the phone? Yeah. So where does the motivation come from? Where do you, where, how do you get yourself to do those, the, the tough tasks every week? Yeah. What's the plan? Uh, for me, it's just big goals. So, I feel like if I'm not doing something every, and it, I describe it as this constant desire for growth in personal and business life. So regardless of where I am now, I think I can continue to get better. And I feel like I'm a, a long way away from where I'm going to be. And so for me, it's just some big goals and feeling like I'm not where I want to be. What's an example so, of a personal goal? Uh, fitness. Gotten really into it in the last couple of years. Lost 30 pounds. Feel spectacular compared you lost to 30 pounds yeah I, I would not have guessed you had 30 pounds to lose <laughs> yeah. did you recently put on 30 pounds and then lose 30 pounds um yeah so in my first two years in real estate i was like 100 percent real estate everything all day every day it's really easy to let health go out the the window in real estate. and that's what i did i ate poorly yeah. i exercised once a month maybe yeah and you're eating gained, donairs every day gained a lot of weight felt shitty in my yeah. in my body and like it was at the point where i'd sit down in the car and my underwear flap would fold over and i'm like what what is this what is happening here? <laughs> I, never felt I need new underwear <laughs> and you guys were low your offices beside a brewery too which probably didn't help that is correct yes. <laughs> <laughs> partially owned by your partner so 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 jamie's to blame for <laughs> I, I can't blame jamie for the free beer <laughs> But I don't know what the switch was. It was just I wasn't happy with how I felt, so I need to work out every day. And now I've worked out every day for almost two years and feel fantastic. Feel back to like university in shape. Are you still setting new health goals? Uh, it, it's more just maintenance now. Yeah. And I kind of fell in love with what exercise does for me mentally. Hmm. And so it's like if I don't exercise in a day, I feel anxious like i feel like i need to be doing something right so now it's more almost an addiction i'm in the exact same place i know you can't really tell looking at me (laughs) (laughs) but but i uh i'm the same way where i was having a tough time getting the fitness in all the time that i wanted Mm -hmm. and i went to we talked about this on the show when keith was on episode nine where i had a goal of every second day make sure i exercise every second day never let two days go by and it kind of locked me in and once i did that a month into every second day it had to be every day for the exact same reason i come out of it with just this energy you hit 30 in a row like one month of not yeah. missing two days. It, oh, I, I see what you I, mean. I would ex- now I exercise every single day and I love it. I need it. Mm-hmm. I want it because I feel better. And the days that I don't exercise, I'm a little, I'm, I got less in every capacity. So I totally hear what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally addicting. I'm, I'm trying yeah. to absorb your energy right now. <laughs> I, I, I really relate to you get into this business and it's so all consuming mm-hmm. and it's really easy. Um, the thing I struggle with the most is planning because all of a sudden 
a couple appointments pop up that you weren't expecting and I was going to pop home for lunch, but now it's nine o'clock and yeah. I haven't been home yet and I'm starving and oh man, Dairy Queen looks good on the way home. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and your gym closed. Oh, that's also a problem. I, oh, I was so upset. So I, I, just, I decided yesterday that I'm, I'm making a change. I'm, I'm, I'm healthy. Jeff. I'm, I'm, being, now on. I'm, I'm healthy. Jeff. So, um, and I, I have two kids. They're they're five and two, so when they're up, there's not a whole lot going on. They take a lot of energy, and and rightfully so. I'm away so much that Rach just kind of needs a break. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start getting up at 5 a.m., and I'm going to go do something healthy. So I got up at 5 a.m., I, I slept in my workout clothes so that it would be so easy <laughs> to just like, I just get out of bed and, and walk to the gym. I got there. And you didn't have a fob because Denny didn't give you one. Oh, no. <laughs> Uh, for those of uh, <laughs> listeners who are wondering what Matt's talking about, uh, Denny was the listing agent on uh, the townhouse I bought, uh, but that was over a year ago. <laughs> no, um, oh, see, so okay. The 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 <laughs> the boiler house was closed. They they had a big like sewage flood or something, and I hadn't heard about it yet. And I get there, and there's just this big like closed sign. I'm like, ah. So you waited a half an hour. Well, like, I, when is this thing opening? Well, at first I thought maybe. Um, maybe I'm too early. But no, it, it was just closed. So I, I went for a walk around Victoria Hill. But it was it was a bit of a, a gut So the lessons the here day. are there's going to be obstacles. Sure, yeah. For, for getting to your goals. Don't, don't let it ruin your day. When I think if you want to find the courage to do the things that you think can really change your life, it's to find some sort of consistency or model that allows you to do it, right? And I, we've gone back to this constantly. Fitness for me is always the analogy that I can apply to the business, right? Is It has to feel a bit routine and it's easy to do it. You let three or four or five days go by where you haven't made a difficult phone call and it's tough to pick it up and make that next mm-hmm. call. Which is funny because I go the other way right now. I'm like, I, I make calls that I'm terrified of every day. I can spend half an hour and go to the gym or, or decide to eat a little but bit. But because better. you do them every day, those yes. calls are not so difficult. Totally. But if you yeah. let it slide for five days, kind of getting back into that, that groove, whatever, that first call, that first workout, whatever it is, it's a little harder. So I'm just thinking for the people who want to you know, just make a little bit of a change is to find some kind of consistency. That yeah. allows you to to just do it repetitively, and it doesn't feel so intimidating, right? There's so many things we do in our lives that are intimidating. We can just find a way to make that one most important thing a little less intimidating. We'll get it done more. I bring it back to mindset too, though, and that I always think about the alternative. And with something as let's use fitness as an example, I don't like the alternative. I, I've seen what it was two years ago, guys. I'm and right I really here. don't want to. Go back. <laughs> <laughs> I like how um, immediate the feedback loop is almost though, right? For me, like, what, like when you're healthy, if yeah. it were to ever stop, if like to think of the alternative, yeah. it's very quick you realize how you're sliding back into where you don't want to be. Definitely. Underwear flap folding down <laughs> guy. It was disgusting. So. <laughs> Next thing you know, you can't see your feet and then you got a problem. Uh, you touched on something a little earlier, Danny, where you're talking about uh, constantly growing and improving. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to bring this as sort of another element to our conversation is education, right? So if people want to make a shift in their personal or professional life, uh, we talked about the real estate course. Yeah. Technically, that's part of the education to changing your career. Technically. <laughs> Technically. <laughs> yeah. But really, any of it, what education maybe should or shouldn't it be, and when should it be? 
real estate specific or entrepreneur specific? Entrepreneur. Let's look at it through that lens and it could be a realtor. Uh, I think it's specific to each individual. I think people learn differently. I do not learn from reading. I learn from doing things. I learn from listening to real life experiences. I feel like books are filtered to appeal to a specific audience. So I really enjoy the podcast platform. I have a few specific people that I listen to often that I get a lot out of the conversations that they have with their guests. And most of them are entrepreneur business type people. Um, and I get a lot out of being in those situations myself. So my podcast has been awesome for me personally and mentally. Um, but I think it's more, it's finding the medium, the platform that you feel like you can pull information out of. Who, who are your favorite podcasters? Number one, uh, zero to here, Denny Duma. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, number one is Gary Vee for sure. Yeah. Number two is probably Tim Ferriss. I listen to a little bit of Joe Rogan, but I'm kind of hit and miss with But he's with crazy sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But it's really those two. Between, like, they both, Tim Ferriss and um, Gary Vee, both put out so much content that... If you're listening to their, if you're listening for, if you have an hour and a half or two hours yeah. a day while you're working out or in the car, I'm barely getting through those two. So yeah, I you're taking really, really explore. I, I have to take enough. Gary V breaks. I I love I Gary V, but but I'll I'll get to the point where I'm like, because I, I I'm a podcast junkie. I've got like. 15 of them that I listen to. Yeah. And if I only listen to Gary V, I never get to the others. So I'll like stack up a bunch. He does it. I'll listen to a bunch and then I'll like take a little break, get through all my other playlists and then come back. But yeah, I mean that every single day he posts every day. He posts. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so much content. That's one of my goals though. Every day. Post every day. Yeah. Right now it's like three times a week. Yeah. And I think that's achievable for the next year, but I'm starting to see where I can tape more parts of my life that can be valuable to people. Mm. So like our realtor meetings every Tuesday morning, Jamie and I just did a, uh, a couple of vlogs at our office before I came over here. And so just taping like the behind the scenes and seeing all the little extras that um, we do that a lot of people in our industry do not do. Yeah. That maybe are part of the reason that we're setting ourselves apart. Okay. Without giving away the secret sauce, what's something you guys do? I will answer think. any question. We have yeah. zero secrets. I'm happy yeah. to help wherever I can. So what, what is something you think, what's a little extra that you guys do that you think most people don't? Uh, I think we are much better online and on social media than most in our industry. So our I think web- it would be pretty hard to argue with that. Yeah. yeah. And, but I, at the same time, I feel like we have so much room to grow Sure, within those platforms. Our website is awesome and... I'd say internet leads for us is probably 30% of our business. Really? Just from people finding our website. Hmm. Because of your social media presence, when you get those internet leads, would you consider those cold leads or are they warmer than what a lot of typical really websites? They're really solid. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's actually, it's really cool in the last couple of years. It was not like this at the beginning of my career, but in the last year and a half, two years, going into listing appointments or meeting people for the first time, Often people are stopping us from selling ourselves when we walk into a home and they're saying, like, we follow your social media. We know who you guys are. We love your personalities. We watch your business. Tell us what our home is worth and where to sign kind of thing. Hmm. And so it's it's pretty cool going from like a newbie that is like over the top trying to sell everything that we do, talking about social media, blah, blah, blah. And and people now are just aware of it, especially locally in our dominant market of New West. You're not having to explain... 
why it's important. Exactly. Right. Okay. Uh, I did ask a question about education. <laughs> I, I feel like we answered it. <laughs> Podcasts. Po- Podcasts. Denny, Denny so, so, so Denny's answer is, is, is clear. Is, want to learn through experience or other people's experiences, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what about anybody else, though, who's thinking, okay, you have to take the real estate course mm-hmm. or you have to, I keep using my example, an electrician. They have to go through their education to have the skills to be an electrician. But what about when it's time to open the business? I. So I will come back to your education question because I, I have a different thought than, than, than Denny. Um, I am a book learner. Like I totally learn through reading. Um, I love podcasts, but I find podcasts keep me motivated. If I want to actually learn something, I, I need to see it on a paper. And I'm usually doing something when I'm listening to podcasts, so I'm not taking notes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I think there is so much good work out there for people who want to get into business for themselves. Um, I mean, the absolute classic seven habits of highly successful people is very dated, but still very amazing. Strong foundation. Oh yeah, totally. And and then from there, it, there there's so many options. The, the best book, um, Oh, it's by Josh Waitskin and it's, uh, I'm going to double check after, but I, I think it's the art of learning and the, the, Josh Waitskin was this chess prodigy. The movie Searching for Bobby Fischer was about him. And then the movie came out and he couldn't play chess anymore because when he'd go and play, everybody would just swarm him because he was this child chess prodigy. And so he decided he hated chess and he just became one of the world's best martial artists. He he won at, I'd never even heard of this thing, Chinese push hands, I think is the name of the martial arts, but he just literally decided I'm going to be the best at this thing. And his book isn't about any one thing. It's just about his system for, I want to learn something new. How am I going to become the best in the world at it? And it's, it's amazing. Um, and the audiobook is really good too, actually, because it, <laughs> it, it was produced by Tim Ferriss okay. and Tim Ferriss has a whole bunch of like extra material. He's stuck into the, <laughs> they're, they're <laughs> into the audiobook because they're, they're like really good buddies. But I don't know for me, reading is the, the, the real estate course taught me nothing about selling real estate. I I don't use a single thing I learned in the real estate course. Um, What I learned about running a business, I learned from uh, the mentors in my life, my dad and some of the other guys in the office, and through just an absolute uh, hunger to consume knowledge. And and for me, reading is the, the way I go about that. Well, I think we've gone through education and other things to give us a sense of how people can consider making a shift in their personal or professional life. Any any last thoughts from you, Denny, where we didn't touch on anything that you had in mind that you wanted to put on the table here? And making a shift. <clears throat> Go all in. Uh, for me, it was, a, it was uh, very eye-opening to feel this freedom of I can be myself in an in industry that I love. And so finding something that uh, excites you and going all in on it. Nice. Well, we got one more question for you, Denny, so hang on. Check out the big brain on bread. How's it working out for you? What? Being clever. Who knows where thoughts come from? They just appear. You're listening to Multiple Offers, a real estate show. Okay, Denny, so this question comes from one of our listeners. Uh, his name is Jason, and he is a realtor. What's up, Jason? Uh, so Jason wants to know 
Um, he follows you on social media. Okay. He also is very aware that you are a high-producing realtor. Okay. And you, you've established a little bit about this, but Jason wants to know, he sees you doing a lot of fun stuff, golfing, hiking, going to football games. He also knows that you are producing results. How do you manage to do all of these things at the level you're doing it at? Um, because he feels like there isn't as much time in the day as, as just what he sees from just the social stuff. Fair enough. Uh, surround yourself with good people. So it, it, it was not like that early in my career. Hmm. Um, so it takes a long time to build to a level where you have a little bit more freedom. And with our team in particular, our backend systems, we've spent so much time and energy and money on that now it's, they're kind of running themselves. So our website, our social media platforms are us that we're doing it all on. But, um, I feel like you can free up a lot of your time once you have all those systems in place. So we've got some great people around us. We have great assistants. We have um, a few awesome realtors on our team uh, that now that are taking some of the client interaction, the stuff that right. is very time-consuming off of our plate. And now James and I can focus more on overall business development and growth. Uh, he's awesome at the online stuff. Um Building the website, SEO, creating content is very, very important for us long term. And I think that's going to continually help our business grow. Mm-hmm. So for for me specifically, my role on our team now is more of a leadership role. I still work with a lot of clients. Like this year, I'll probably do 50 to 60 deals by myself. Mm-hmm. Whereas the last couple of years, it was 100 plus. And so cutting that in half, but focusing on some other things has freed up a little bit more time but i'd say early on it's all in every day and uh it's maybe now just starting to show that right and because i'm so public with who i am and my personality i think maybe i think other people get to the freedom that i am now starting to just see within myself but maybe i'm more public about it okay what does a typical day like from the time you wake up mm-hmm. till bed, what does a typical day look like? You know, every day is completely <laughs> Yeah, different. sure. But but if you were going to take... Say a like, generic day A in generic real estate, real estate day. What at, time of year? Let, let's say it's... Um, uh, let's say it's April. Okay. Busy so time. The, the reason I ask about what time of year is because our business is very cyclical. We have six to eight months of insanity um, where we probably do 70% of our business in that six months. So April is usually I wake up pretty early, like five forty-five, six o'clock, go for a run and workout. Yeah. Then I'm on the computer, emails at home, uh, writing contracts, reading strata documents, all that kind of stuff in the morning. And then appointments start early afternoon usually for me. Yeah. And on a regular April day, I might have appointments till eight or nine o'clock home. Yeah quick bite to eat and often you're back on the computer till midnight reading strata documents again sending contracts what you know whatever um but those spring let's say four or five months in spring they're long work days okay this time of year obviously my social media maybe is a little bit more uh exciting (laughs) a little more social outside of real estate and that's just because of the time of year that's cool yeah um, that's our question of the week. 
We're just going to kind of outro us here and wrap us up. But I, I did want to mention for our listeners who are taking this in uh, one more time, there's there's your show. And, and maybe you had asked for the audio for this. So, so you might have some segments on your show. I believe in creating content as as much as possible. And it's not so much creating, but more just documenting. So I would love to use this on my show. All right, so we're just going to be just totally just just crossing streams here. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> Help Sound, each other out. Sounds good to me. The Ghostbusters were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Probably should have introed with that. Welcome to Multiple Offers on Denny's channel. Zero to here. <laughs> well, why, why don't we get into that stuff real quick? So, Denny, thank you very much for Absolutely. joining us. It was great having you. Um, if you're hearing Denny on our show, uh, you can find Denny at Zero to Here. Uh, Denny, you are on iTunes, Spotify. Is there, are there any other channels? Basically anywhere you listen to podcasts, Google Play as well. Anywhere you listen to podcasts. And if you've been listening to Zero to Here and you want to get more multiple offers, you can find us at morealestateshow.com or just throw uh, multiple offers into iTunes or Google Play. Um, if you want to get a hold of Denny, Denny, what's the best way for people to get in touch? Instagram's the easiest, Denny.Duma. Yep. Or you can, uh, my website is dennyduma.com, our real estate website, garbaduma.ca. You'll be in the show notes, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very visible. You're very easy to find. <laughs> awesome. And if, if you guys have uh, questions for Matt or Jer, they are at thenewwestguys.com. Uh, if you have questions for me, uh, Jeff, I am at realestatenewwest.com. If you guys have been enjoying this, please think about leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. It helps us get out to more people. And thank you very much. Thanks again for coming on, Denny. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Cheers. So, Denny, you're a whiskey guy. I would say that, yeah. What, uh, how did you become a whiskey guy? Um, it was those first two years in real estate. <laughs> oh no, that was a lot of beer. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have enough money for whiskey at that point. <laughs> uh, that's a great question. I don't know. A year and a half ago, two years ago, I decided that I had seen successful people on tv drink whiskey seriously <laughs> like that and don draper yeah. sure knows how to drink <laughs> Nothing, yeah, yeah that was part of it uh suits was part of it too i like super idolized uh harvey specter okay yeah and he always had whiskey in his hand in his office uh and so i just started trying a bunch and kind of fell in love with it hmm. and uh i kind of i'm going back and forth irish whiskeys are super undervalued in my opinion comparatively to scotch scotch just has this big name like nike sure although they're just whiskeys made in different countries. And there's some phenomenal Irish whiskeys that you can get for like $40, $50 a bottle, whereas the good scotches usually are 100 or more. Yeah, yeah. A uh, guy in our office turned me on to Oban. Yep. And it's amazing. But yeah, you're spending over $100 for for a bottle. Jer's a big bourbon guy. And bourbon's even more underrated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but more expensive than Irish whiskey. Is it? Yeah. Well, a good bourbon's probably like 70 or 80 bucks. Different, yeah, a little different makeup. Yeah. But whereas, I don't know, Scotch and Irish whiskey, I don't know if I'd be able to tell the difference. I doubt there's even a difference. Hey, Jeff? I, you're still a whiskey gonna, guy? I, I, yeah, I, I uh, well, I, and I like, I like Scotch. Um, but I, any, any of the, 
Like I'm, I, I'm a big rye fan. Jared, Jared they're all good with Jared a can turned of me on to bourbon, can of diet coke, and some some oh. fine scotch. It's it all works. <laughs> I, I had a, a a nice bottle of scotch. I don't think I've told this story on the show that I brought on the boat with my family. I'd been saving it for a nice occasion, and uh, we we were at Wigwam uh, and. Uh, went to sleep on the old hotel there. And I came back in the morning and the whole bottle was empty. And, uh, my brother and some of his friends invited some girls onto the boat <laughs> and just downed the whole thing. And I was like, well, did you enjoy it at least? And he's like, yeah, it was amazing with Coke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was so soul. mad. <laughs> Come on, that man. was boat whiskey. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it was frustrating. So you, you've got like a Scott, like, is it a whiskey tasting? I, I see posts online of you. You've got like a group of guys who, yeah. who, who have a, a whiskey night. Is there like a regularity to that? Or we how do does it that once work? a month, usually the first Wednesday of every month. Yeah. Uh, there's anywhere from like eight to 14 guys that show up. And it really just started with me wanting to, again, going back to the way that I learn best is just like yeah. communicating with people, talking about their experiences, other self-employed people are the best for that for me. Um, and so just starting a group of like, I have four or five friends that are self-employed, a mortgage broker, another realtor, and just bringing each of us bring like a buddy or two every time that are other self-employed people. And we bring a few bottles of scotch and just kind of chat. Nice. How did Jer and I come to this whiskey club? <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you the invite in December. I, I left Matt out. Cause are you still on your no drinking, uh, yeah, it's not really my uh, my thing right now. Yeah, Matt's taking a little break. Fair but, enough. Uh, you should see him when he does decide to drink. That's <laughs> <laughs> why I don't drink anymore. <laughs> For every guest I have on my podcast, I bring a bottle of whiskey. Yeah. And some of them will have like one or two drinks. And yeah. That's it. But the guy last night, oh, he he went hard. <laughs> and we finished the whole bottle in an hour and a half. Oh. It was an aggressive. Holy. It was an aggressive night. It's like when you take a client out to dinner and they order a bottle or something, and you're like, "Oh, oh, that's what we're one doing. of those <laughs> nights." <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this was a really enjoyable segment for me, guys. Thanks. 